Don't move. You're listening to Harpy Hour. We just want to share another awesome podcast with you first. So check these guys out and stay tuned for this week's episode of Harpy Hour. Our history, though short, is wrought with events that transform our existence. Locked away and hidden within sacred vaults exists a treasure trove of events, inventions, and stoic occurrences hoping to shine once more. These gems have many facets. Some shine like beacons of hope and others are dim with warnings of future transgressions. Sometimes history is easily accessible and this is the history that we know by teachings. But what of the history that we were never taught? Sometimes we must act as thieves to steal the locked treasures of history and find out what secrets lie beneath. Join us as we pick the locks, open the hidden artifacts, and bring these treasures back from whence they came. Only on Ransack History, presented by Sounded Heart. Harpy Hour may contain explicit language, as well as graphic, violent, and sexual content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Harpy Hour. Four, five, six. Sorry. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything to anybody. <laughs> Steph knows. Not our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> listeners, we do a sound check before every recording session and we're always the same numbers we go in the same order it's i'm one liz is two steph is three and so on so <laughs> tracy time, panicked and said four five six sorry and and then i apologized because i stole their numbers and we laughed for like you know five minutes afterwards I'm still it's laughing. fine there was no lag between four, five, and six. No, none. It was just rapid fire. I panicked. I forgot what number I was. And I figured if I covered all of them, it would be fine. So that's where we are. And I have tears Ugh. running down my face from it. It's fine. I don't know why it's so funny. Liz is unamused. Liz took this opportunity to rewrite her notes. Liz is like, all right, guys, get it the fuck together. I mean, I was there, and I'm going to say, I think you had to be there for our okay. listeners. <laughs> well, regardless, welcome. That's why we're laughing uncontrollably at nothing. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, we are the Harpy. <laughs> I'm Tracy, and I can't count. Or you can count. You can't keep track of order. That's true. I'm Liz. That's Liz, and she's going to correct you. <laughs> and I'm Steph. I'm just here for, for fun. Yeah. We should have done our, our intros in birth order. I still would have been first. Although not according to Steph, who wins birth order. Well, birth order of us or birth order within our own families gets a little dicey. All right. We'll leave it the way it is. I win. This is our podcast. Welcome. Where we tell ridiculous Stories in history, science, and entertainment. Great job. And steal each other's lines and numbers. Mm -hmm. We're just doing each other's job today. Oh, fuck. Does that mean I have to present something? Because I am not prepared. <laughs> oh, I'll just send you my notes. Okay, perfect. <laughs> okay. I'll stumble through them. Speaking of, Liz, what the fuck are you talking about today? Oh, thank you for asking. 
What title did you come up with in the past two minutes? It's true. Yes, I came unprepared with a title for my God segment. Damn it, so Liz. today we are leaving Las Vegas. Why? I don't want to. I don't want to go to Las Vegas. Yeah, I don't want to go to Las Vegas. I don't mind Las Vegas. I think it's fun. So, I mean, I'm happy to leave it. But why did I go there to begin with? Maybe you were drunk. <laughs> <laughs> if I was in Las Vegas, I probably was drunk. That's what you get. For waking up in Vegas. Okay, so the year is early 1993. This is a little bit modern for for me. Yeah, I was going to say, I was waiting for 18-something. I was like, what? (laughs) This feels a little contemporary. I'm confused. In early 1993... A woman named Heather Tallchief meets a man named Roberto Solis in a bar in San Francisco. Okay. He spots her across the room and (laughs) thinks she's attractive. (laughs) The rum. (laughs) Offers to buy her a drink. (laughs) She was drinking some rum across the room. I got it. And from from that point on, like nothing was the same. Liz is ignoring (laughs) us. Steph and I are on the same wavelength today. (laughs) I got it. But you don't care. Steph and I are finding everything funny today. I'm not even drinking. No, me neither. Sober hilarity. 1993. Go. San Francisco. All right. Go. Yes. So Roberto Solis spots Heather Talchi from across the bar. And nothing will ever be the same for either of them again. So dramatic. Da-da-da. Before we get into what happens next, I'll tell you a little bit about their pasts. So at this point in time, Heather had just turned 21. So she's like a fresh drinking baby. She's a baby. Little baby. But she wasn't necessarily like clean. She was in a pretty rough place at the time of this meeting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So she had grown up in Buffalo, New York, and she was raised by her like addict and alcoholic father. And an abusive stepmom. Buffalo, New York, 90 minutes from Erie, PA. Awesome. How many Tracys? Keep going, Liz. I'll look it up. We don't need that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. Keep going. (laughs) At 20 years old, uh, she moved to San Francisco and she became a nursing assistant. So she had like gotten herself out of her her troubled childhood situation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good for her. But... Her nursing assistant position was at an AIDS hospice, which you can imagine is a very depressing place. The early 90s. The early 90s. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. So she got into drugs as an escape, uh, in particular crack, spiraled, lost her job. And so at this time in 1993, she's, she's just in a very dark place. It's a depressing story so far. Yeah. Yes. Soulless. Roberto Solis. His last name is Solis. And his name is Solis. Like without a soul? Or like it's it's S-O-L-I-S. Solis. Solis. But I I like to say it's Solis like mm. without a soul. And we will get there. Okay, great. Very quickly, as a matter of fact. So he is, at the time of this meeting, 48 years old. Eesh. Gross. 27 years her senior. And I'm not like age shaming. Age is just a number. But sometimes age is not just a number. Yeah. Like, uh, like in a this legal matter. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in this circumstance, definitely like a red flag. Okay. Solis 
actually had approximately 20 to 30 different aliases in his long life of crime. His most notable record was for murder in 1969. He had attempted to rob a Loomis armored truck, and uh, he didn't get any money, but he murdered the driver in the process. So he was murdering people before she was even a thought. Correct. A person, but yes. He had robbed this, or attempted to rob and murder the driver of a Loomis armored truck. I'm going to emphasize again, Loomis. This is important. It comes back. Okay. And Loomis is like, I didn't recognize that right away, but it's kind of like the Brinks armored trucks. Okay. Like, it's, it's apparently a, a well-known like armored car okay. company. Sure. Okay. And so he is caught for this crime, sentenced to life in prison, escaped. We're not going to get into that because we don't have time. Was recaptured. Yep. Um, okay. <laughs> and sent back to prison. Now, obviously, because we know, I've already mentioned in 93, he meets Heather in a bar, so he doesn't serve his life sentence. Clearly not. Doesn't sound like it. Yeah. What happens is he becomes a respected, uh, it's called, quote, a prison poet, uh, as he becomes known. So during his time in prison, he publishes five books on poetry. Therefore, he should be released early. And is included in anthologies as well. Yes. Other authors who were fans of his work started a letter writing campaign to petition for his parole, which was successful. So despite the fact that he murdered somebody, escaped prison, and was recaptured, okay, he is granted an early release. Uh, so he Great. gets parole and is released from jail. Oh, my. so stupid. Great. Because he's good at poetry. He is free in 1991, serving less than 20 years of his life sentence. That's her life. Yeah, her life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish you didn't say he that. He spent her life in I wish prison. you hadn't have said that. <laughs> Makes me upset. <laughs> He had been in and out briefly on some drug charges before he met Heather that night at the bar. Okay. This is where they are in their lives at the time that they meet. So he buys her a drink and Heather's like very into him. He's kind of like dark and mysterious. You know, in the pictures, he reminds me of what's his name from Practical Magic? Jimmy Angelov. Okay. Jimmy Angelov. Angelov. That's kind of like the vibes that I get from him. Mm -hmm. Okay. Both in the way he looks and, like, his character, personality. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Heather goes home with him. Sure. And all sorts of interesting things in his apartment. He has an altar for goddess worship. Sure. He has tarot cards. And he has hypnotic videotapes. That night that he brings her home, he, like, reads her tarot cards and... Her reading was that, like, she was about to embark on, like, a lucrative journey at the guidance of an older wise figure. Great. I.e. himself. Yeah, I was like, that sounds a little <laughs> bit, um, a little bit contrived. Yeah. Specific word for his belief system like it's not pagan it's not satanic like I hadn't seen any of those specific words but just kind of like dabbles in a whole bunch of different voodoo-ish like 
unorthodox spiritual spiritual practices he's woo woo yeah (laughs) so one of the things that they practice is something that they called sex magic yep sex magic is this concept that like the act of sex creates this energy which is released through orgasm and then that energy can be harnessed back into like another objective sure so like i don't know i might use sex magic to like help me get a promotion like take that positive energy and harness it into my work i mean it's kind of just like when you're getting laid you're in a better mood and more likely to succeed at things you should be telling your tinder date this i'm using you to get a promotion Uh, but so that they, they practiced this sex magic because he believed it put like positive energy out that they could then harness uh, into their goals. Did they have like an objective? That, like, was she trying to get, you know, a job? Was he like, do, like, did they have a specific objective or? We'll get to it. Okay, great. Just after a couple of weeks of dating, he does tell her about his history specifically the murder charge. Sure. And she reflects on this as like an unfortunate situation, which he regretted and that he was truly like a different person now. So she wasn't very concerned about this situation. Hmm. I would be super concerned about that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's very pulled into this spiritual journey. Like he's got her hooked into this at this point. After a short while, he convinces her to go to Vegas, thinking that like they can, he can beat the odds there and they can get rich. Sure. With sex magic. This obviously does not work out, um, despite all the sex magic. Damn it. He does not just hit the jackpot. Womp womp. Yeah. So low on money, he suggests that she get a job so that they can have some income. I'm only assuming that the reason he does not suggest he get a job is because, because he's an he can't with his criminal yeah. background. Yeah. So he's like, hey, like, you should get a job because we need money. But he has, like, very specific ideas in mind. He even brings her applications for specific jobs. Like, you should apply to this job. Such as driving for Loomis Armored cars how convenient that is that is kind of convenient yeah yeah and she was just like okay not putting anything together and so she applies and gets the job for uh the loomis company Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this is pretty surprising for several reasons Particularly, she had only gotten her license that year, and she is known to be a really shitty driver. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh, dear. That's problematic. Uh, but the company was likely just filling a quota for female employees. Mm. So they were just like, okay, like, yeah, we'll train you and whatever. So she was the driver, and she worked with a crew of two men who were like the, the couriers for the money. And they said that, like, she was a terrible driver. And they were just like, how did this woman get this job? I mean, she's a new driver. So, of course, she's a terrible driver. Yeah. So, on this job, uh, Solis starts asking her a lot of questions about her work, such as what her route is. 
What days do they carry the most cash? Mm. All those sorts of things. Normal questions. Yeah. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Just making conversation, showing interest in your work, baby. Yep. And so she starts taking notes and giving information to him. And Normal. allegedly, mm-hmm. so she she claims that she was not aware of what he was doing. And almost like she didn't even realize what she was doing either. And she links this back to the hypnotism videos that I mentioned earlier that were part of the many weird things he had in his apartment. Oh, yeah. So, like, one of those classic, like, spiraling videos with a man counting down from 10 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she says that he would play her these videos in the morning and basically like she would black out and then just like wake up when the video was over or it was almost like she like blinked her eyes and it was over and she just like got up and went to work. And so she alleges that like she was basically being hypnotized during these sessions. And so she wasn't like aware that the information she was providing was, you know, potentially a major crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was just like, okay, yeah, like, oh, you want to know which day I carry the most cash? It's this day's. Oh, yeah, I'll jot down what time I enter and exit each location. So she's like not really questioning why she's collecting this information for him. And, and also in part, she is naive and in love and clearly under like hypnotism or not she's under the influence of an older man that is kind of preying on her vulnerabilities so she takes this job and has it for about two months before the incident on friday october 1st So Friday, October 1st, Heather shows up for her 8 a.m. shift and she has two couriers and they load the truck with $3.1 million. It's a lot of dollars. Yes. A lot of dollar dollars. So, you know, specifically the job here is to transport cash for casinos. Uh, So they load and unload ATMs or they, they load ATMs and like unload cash from casinos. Uh, throughout Las Vegas. So her her standard route included like a handful of casinos. She stayed in the car. And at each location, the couriers would take a few bags of the money, replenish the ATMs, and return to the truck. And this Friday is important. That's the the heaviest cash load day because they're stocking the casinos basically for the whole weekend. Mm-hmm. And so the, uh, they, they don't take all of the money in with them. Like they take only what they need and leave the rest behind in the truck. So at the beginning of the route is when they have the most money. And then at the end, they've basically unloaded all of it. So her first stop is the Circus Circus Hotel and Casino. She drops the couriers off And I heard some conflicting information about how long this process took. It was anywhere between 20 minutes or an hour. They go in and they actually go through like the casino and come out the other side. It's the only casino where they do that. Like instead of entering an exit through the front, they actually like she would have to drive around to the back and pick them up in the back. Mm -hmm. But instead of going to pick them up, she just takes the fuck off. Oh, so she leaves with the truck of money. Shit. Mm-hmm. And when they exit out the back of the casino, she's not there. And they're like, 
oh, she probably got lost because she's a terrible driver <laughs> or, you know, they kind of just dismissed it. Um, but eventually realized something was up. Yeah. But so when she leaves, she brings the truck to a garage that Solis had rented. And they take the money out of the bags and put it into boxes. And she changes into like an old lady costume, like this like old lady windbreakery thing with a wig and glasses. I was gonna say, is she wearing one of your nightgowns? No, 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 no. <laughs> She's going out in public, <laughs> Steph. The moo moos. Uh, so then they leave the truck behind in the garage and load all of the boxes into the back of like some other random getaway vehicle, a sedan. And so they leave the garage in this other vehicle. And at this point, like helicopters are, are out searching for a truck. On their way out of town, Solis drops the boxes of money off at a shipping carrier and mails the money. So he just leaves the $3.1 like, million dollars to the postal to the system. USPS. What? Yeah. <laughs> or, or the UPS. I don't know who the carrier was. But he like drops all of the boxes off hmm. to, to be shipped elsewhere. I mean... It's kind of smart, I guess, right? So it's, like, not on your person if you get caught or whatever. Yeah, but, like, do they not scan, like, for what packages are? Is that not suspicious if it were discovered that it were boxes full of money? It just seems risky. Do they scan every package? I don't know if that's to see exactly what's inside it. It might just look like a bundle of paper or something. Who knows? I don't know. It feels risky, but that's what he went with. Mm -hmm. So they go to the Las Vegas airport where they take a private charter to Denver. Yay! And from Denver, they take a train to New Orleans. And from New Orleans, they take a Greyhound to Miami. So this is a two-day getaway process. Very convoluted, too. Yes. Uh, You know, just like really making it difficult to follow their trace. Yeah. Uh, And like in each location, they kind of change their disguises and they have like a whole bunch of different identities that they change along the way, like credentials mm-hmm. that they're using. And so after two days, they arrive in Miami, which is where Solis had the money shipped. So he picks the money up there. So let's check back in on what's happening in Las Vegas. Okay. At first, you know, the, the guards eventually catch on that something suspicious has happened. And authorities initially believe that Heather Tallchief is a victim. She was a woman sitting alone in an armored truck, and somebody saw an opportunity to kidnap her. Mm. And, you know, maybe they're going to get a ransom note or something. Right, right, right. But so, you know, they, they think that, that she was a victim. Okay. They quickly realize that it's not the case once they obtain the surveillance footage from the casino and see that she just drove herself off into the sunset with $3 million. Then they're like, okay, she's a suspect. Yeah. They find her apartment and they, they can tell from the apartment that she lives with a man, but they don't know who it is. Uh, it's registered to her. Mm. So they're like, okay, she likely has an accomplice here, but they can't identify him just yet. Meanwhile, they're getting some leads. In particular, when they landed in Denver, they had a limo driver that picked them up to bring them to like the hotel that they okay. were 
changing at. It's really covert. And yeah. <laughs> and the limo driver reported picking up a strange couple. And the pilot of the charter plane they took reported that the old lady, when they picked them up in Vegas, Solace wheeled her in on a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. But when they landed in Denver, she just got up and walked herself off the plane. <laughs> what? This is like... <laughs> weekend at bernie's she just wanted priority boarding she wanted the like pre 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 boarding it was a private charter it was there's no I'm kidding pre boarding when it's two people i was kidding but yeah so you know they didn't like that that in itself is not a crime so they didn't think anything right, of it, but like, like they specifically odd. yeah they specifically made a comment of like radioing into somebody like oh there's been a miracle but a major break occurred when the owner of the garage Solus rented came forward. Uh, like he pieced together like, oh, uh, like the woman I recognize mm-hmm. or something like that. And he checks out his garage and like finds the truck there. So after about two weeks, this guy comes forward and is like, oh, I think I rented my garage to to the, the thieves. Sure. And so... Uh, identifying one of his aliases, they linked that uh, Heather's accomplice was Roberto Solis. And so now the dynamic of the investigation kind of changes again because Roberto is a dangerous man. But he's a poet. Heather is still a suspect, but she kind of goes back into a little bit into the victim column because, you know, at first it was, oh, Heather committed this crime and she had an accomplice. But now it's Solus committed the crime and she's he's just using Heather. Yeah, maybe he forced her into it or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. And so he's, Heather at this point, even though she had been into drugs before this happened, mm-hmm. she didn't have a record. She yeah. had no criminal history. Nobody knew anything about her. So realizing that she's been associating with this man, it's like, oh shit, like he will throw her under the bus. Mm-hmm. at any moment oh, yeah. if if he had to. For sure. And so she's she's gotten herself into this dangerous situation that she needs to be saved from. So like I said, we got information from the limo driver in Denver from charter pilots. So authorities are starting to follow their trail all the way to Miami. But when they reach Miami, Heather and Solis are already a step ahead. It's around this point that their trail runs cold. And so authorities do believe that they ended up somewhere in Central America, but like basically they don't really have hard evidence to go on from this point out. Uh, it's just kind of like it ends in Miami and they're like, mm, we don't really know. Like, we don't really know where to go from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, authorities were assuming that if they ever found a sign of Heather, it would be her dead body. Aww. But here's what happened after Miami. Heather while they were in Miami, had to keep a low profile because, like I said, for those two weeks, she was the name that was out there right. in the news and they hadn't identified Solus yet. So Solus could go out and about in Miami doing whatever the fuck he wanted sure. and Heather was just, like, confined to their motel room. Ugh. And in that time frame, Solus brings home another woman. What? They had apparently, in their pre-heist days, had discussed opening their relationship. Yeah, but you don't just do that. 
Yeah, they had never acted on it before. Yeah. Also, like, we're kind of in the middle of this heist thing. Yeah, we're in the middle of something, honey. (laughs) That's a liability. This is, like, not the time to be inviting other people into this shit show. To hang out. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. So, I don't really know a lot about this person, but she, she knew what was going on. And so, Heather at first was a little bit like... You know what the heck, what the fuck, like, dude? Yeah, there there was jealousy about the relationship, and also just like straight up concern about like their safety. Yeah, of course. Um, but she ultimately recognized this other woman as kind of an asset because then once Solus was outed, mm-hmm. um, neither of them could go anywhere, and so this woman was their connection, like to the outside world. Like she was the one that was going out and getting them food and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. so they kind of like they needed her at that point so they commandeered her for that yeah okay at some point when solace had like secured appropriate fake credentials sure um he and this other woman went ahead of heather to scout a new location for them okay heather stayed behind in miami like waiting for word on like when she could follow i don't know that i would trust that like me and my new girlfriend are going to go scout things out. You wait here. You can trust me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, this guy's going to leave me high and dry, and he's going to take all the cash with this new boo. Yep. So he and the other woman go ahead to scout a new location for them, and she stays behind. And that does definitely seem like a nerve-wracking situation to be in. Yeah. I would not be down. I don't trust it. But he follows through. He he sends word to her and she flies out to their location as well. So like some like tropical Central American locale. Okay. Mm-hmm. When she arrives, Solis is like, oh, welcome to our little coastal villa. Your room is down the hall. So like she's been demoted. Ooh. And oh. like he's he's shacking up like in the master with this other woman. Nope. And oh it's just my like, God. oh, you can stay down there. The balls. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, man. After all she did, I would uh-huh. be fuming. Yeah, but where does she, like, what recourse does she have, you know? Like... I know, like, she's got no leverage, but... Yeah. I'd be so pissed. That arrangement didn't last very long, because eventually the other woman, again, I, like... We don't know a lot about her, but she returns to Miami and we don't see her again. Okay. Uh So Heather resumes her place in like the number one position again. Doll is right with the world. Okay. So they're in this villa. They're living it up. They've got like all their money. But Solis is still obviously concerned that they could be caught at any moment. Mm -hmm. And he's not going to go down without a fight. So he also makes sure that they have plenty of AK-47s. I mean, as you do. they're... Nice little seaside home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Solis teaches her how to shoot and all that stuff. And she's so she's just becoming like very comfortable with this like outlaw life. Yes. And, and she does kind of question like, would I ever be able to actually like aim this at a person? But she kind of doesn't really think that she'll ever have to. Right. She's kind of just like caught up in the romance of this extra life that they're living. Yeah. It's all exciting and everything. After about one year on the run, Heather realizes that she preg. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. She fell pregnant? Mm-hmm. 
Oh, no. She prigged. You prigged. She took a you prig to find out she prig. Yeah. For whatever reason, Solus is like, we need to relocate again someplace that is perhaps safer and that has like better or more favorable for them, like extradition laws, just in case anything were to happen. He moves them to Amsterdam. Okay. And in Amsterdam, Heather's priorities really start to change. Her her relationship with Solus changes or the way that she sees Solus changes. Like she's basically falling out of love with him. Mm-hmm. The fantasy is, the dream is yeah. dissolving. Honeymoon yeah. period is over. Yeah, yeah, she starts to feel trapped and unhappy. You'd think that she would start to feel like that when he replaced her with another woman and put her down the hall. I know. Like, actively replaced her. It was still too soon. <laughs> All right. She was still looking at everything, like, through rose-colored glasses or something. But now she's starting to be really unhappy with their situation. And, again, she's going to have a child. And she doesn't want this life for her child. She wants stability, normalcy. Sure. And it's almost like suddenly she just became an adult. Yeah. Obviously, she was an adult that whole time, but like just her maturity, her worldview is changing. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Uh, and now she's going to be bringing somebody else into the world that she's responsible for. So a few months after having their child... Solus leaves town to take care of some business and comes back with another woman again. Yeah. I mean, I can't say I'm surprised. Jesus. <laughs> Get it together. So Heather basically says, fuck this. She takes some cash from the apartment and flees with their child. So like in many abusive relationships, Solus controlled the money. So he had like a financial abuse type situation going on right you become dependent on them for that reason yeah all of that three million dollars heather didn't have direct access to it and she didn't know where it was kept and how it was handled only solace had access to the money and so she just left with like spending cash that he kept in the apartment and was like i'm gonna have to make do yeah just like a few thousand dollars mm-hmm. he was just like okay like she told him like I'm I'm leaving and he was like okay bye like he didn't <laughs> did not put care. up a fight yeah and which is I think kind of interesting like I don't think he was personally attached to her but I th- I think if I were him I would have been concerned about like being caught you know like right especially okay. if she's not getting much money from him like yeah she has, for sure she's more likely to to snitch yeah. Versus if she actually has some of the money and is still benefiting from it herself. Yeah. But as, as far as we know, he did not try to like stop her mm-hmm. um, and did not try to ever find her. He just let her go, apparently with no concerns to his own, his own situation. Mm-hmm. So she leaves and she gets new British IDs for her and her son. And she fakes a quite terrible British accent. <laughs> Great. Other other British friends that they had in the Netherlands were like, we could never tell where in British she was from. Where in, where in British. British she was from. <laughs> where in British. This is going so well. They're like, it, it's very vague uh, where she was actually from. She was raising a child, and so she was hanging out with other families and, like, moms at soccer games and things like that. So she had to maintain this whole false identity. Sure. She briefly got a job in sex work in Amsterdam, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but eventually got a job as a hotel maid. 
And she eventually met a new responsible man and they became kind of like this instant family. And they had all signs of like normalcy and they went on family vacations together and they had family dinners and stuff like that. Mm. There seemed to be some indication that she revealed the truth to this man Mm -hmm. and they had fights about it, but not like a deal breaker. You know, he he stuck by her and like was committed to to staying with her and like raising this child. Mm -hmm. But they have an issue because the British identities that she has for her and her son expire after 10 years like the passport expires womp womp and for various logistical reasons she was unable to get those specific identities renewed so she couldn't just keep the identity for another 10 years so she would have to get new identities but then uproot her family in order to you know to keep going undetected Uh, because they couldn't just like go back to school and work one day and be like oh just kidding my name is such and such from Sweden. Like, you know, they would have to start over. And she just really didn't want to do this to her son. And she was tired of lying and running. So after a total of 12 years, as I mentioned, authorities thought that they would not see Heather alive ever again. Well, she walked into a Las Vegas courthouse. Wow. Damn. She contacted an American lawyer who helped sneak her back into the U.S., where she surrendered herself in hopes to secure a better future for her son. In surrendering, she says she finally felt free. Yeah, it's got to be a weight off your shoulders. Yeah. And she, she acknowledged that, you know, she would likely have to serve prison time, but that still that she felt free. Because prison would not be as bad as the mental prison she had been in. And there was a relief in knowing that she was finally doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. She's grown up so much. There's in these interviews where she initially reveals a lot of information. Like, you know, authorities want to know, like, where, like, how did you do this? Where were you? this mm-hmm. whole time and all that kind of stuff. And she starts to reveal some information and like her lawyer cuts her off as soon as she's about to say where they went after Miami, like that like Central American location. Mm-hmm. Cause I think he wanted to like use that as leverage. Like don't give all the information away right, right now. I mean, he kind of like cuts her off. Um, and so a lot of the articles I read were like from that initial interview before she had revealed like everything. Mm. Okay. There is a documentary right now on Netflix called heist. Oh, I've seen ads for that. I I, yeah, yeah, I think I have seen ads for that. It's really good. So she has a two-episode arc on it. So it's the heist is six episodes long, and the first two are about this heist mm-hmm. um, with okay. Heather Talchief and Roberto Solis. So I believe in the documentary, she reveals where they went. Gotcha. Got it. Yeah, she comes back, and so now it's 2005, and she faces charges for embezzlement bank fraud, bank robbery, false statements, interstate flight to avoid prosecution, and using a firearm for a violent crime. That one intrigued me, I guess, because she was in possession of a firearm because she was security. But she didn't actually Uh, use it. Yeah, but she didn't use it. So I thought that was interesting. I'm not fluent in law. 
but so. <laughs> like it's a language. <laughs> I mean, it basically is legalese. Yeah, fluent in law. A language. But yeah, so I thought that was interesting that you could be charged for using a firearm for a violent crime. Sure. When you didn't, you, like, you were just in possession of. Right. Like, she never pulled it out. Yeah, she didn't aim it at anybody. Waved it at anybody. But the fact that it was on her person, and I guess that, I don't know, they were in possession of AK-47s when they were abroad. I don't know. Casual. I mean, it also seems kind of... I don't know. Like what? She's she would not have found her if she had not come out to you. Yeah. Why are you adding like extra charges that don't make sense? Yeah. I think they were just grasping onto anything that they could. Oh, it's probably like seeing what would stick. Yeah. yeah. So that is not one of the things that stuck. Ultimately, she pled guilty to one count of obtaining a false passport and two counts of embezzlement. Mm-hmm. So just to to clarify what embezzlement is. Thank you. Um, as opposed to <laughs> bank fraud and bank robbery, which were other things that she was initially charged for. Embezzlement is theft or misappropriation of funds that are placed in one's trust or belonging yeah, to one's Yeah, it's like that you're in charge of. Yeah. Yeah. So if she were a citizen that had just stolen the truck while it was left unguarded, she would not have been charged with embezzlement. Right. right it'd be just robbery. Right. Yeah. Like if I were holding a bank up, it wouldn't be embezzlement, but if I were the bank teller, mm-hmm. right, it okay. would be embezzlement. Using so, your position. Yeah, you're responsible for the money, and you are using that responsibility to, to take it. Yes. yes. So that's, that's embezzlement. So she, she pleads guilty to two counts of embezzlement and receives a prison sentence of five years. So she was released in 2010. Okay. Is her family still in Europe at this point? Yes, so we don't know the identity of the new man that she remarried, but we do know the son. He stayed behind in Amsterdam, like to continue Mm -hmm. being raised by you know his adoptive father and and go to school there. Mm -hmm. But he does currently have a very good relationship with his mother. So we'll get to that point now. She was released in 2010 after serving her sentence, but she also had to serve five years under federal supervision following her release. Uh, So she wasn't truly like, quote, free until 2015. Gotcha. Okay. And she is still in the States on an undisclosed location, but she is still in America and her son is still in Amsterdam. But they like text every single day and have like a a pretty positive relationship. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. She came into this situation and there's definitely she takes and assumes responsibility for for her actions. But, you know, at the same time, she was a victim and under the influence of Mm -hmm. a stronger, more powerful man. Yeah. And so she's not you know, she doesn't say that like I shouldn't have served time or whatever like She's very accepting of the consequences. Yeah. When asked by Dateline if she would have recommended the lifestyle being on the run to anyone, she said, no. Of course not. (laughs) I mean, what a stupid fucking question. I would not. Would you recommend being abducted? No. No, No, I would not. Would you recommend breaking the law? Overall, do not recommend. Zero stars. She will be paying restitution on the sum for the rest of her life. So I think that is 
super shitty. I I know in yeah. um you know we were talking in the coffee crime one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about I don't remember the exact term and it probably wouldn't apply to the situation, but the like the percent of responsibility. Oh, like the shared responsibility. Oh yeah. yeah. It's like a sliding scale. I know in this case it's it's not directly applicable because it's not that like Yeah, she didn't do this alone and she doesn't have the money. So Yeah. Yeah, I feel like she shouldn't be responsible for paying all that. Or like she's sh- or like on a sliding scale. Yeah. What does it mean to pay restitution in this case? Like she's not gonna be paying back three million dollars. Yeah, so she is like she owes that money, but basically I think it's like getting your wages garnished. So like just she will be paying like a certain percentage of her income the for the rest of her life um, that would go towards this restitution. Her credit must be awful. Yeah, prob's not great. Um, I don't know the particular details of how that restitution is paid, um, but th- it was described as she'll be paying it back for the rest of her life. So my my best guess is that like she will, you know, owe a portion of her income, right? Um, okay, and she's I I don't suspect she will actually pay it all back, but just that she has to pay. Mm-hmm. And so you know, sh- she alleges that she does not know where Solus is. Some people think that that's not true. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be true for a variety of reasons. Yeah, I think she would tell if she knew. Yeah. I don't think she has reason to hide it. There's no reason for her to protect him. Yeah. She's come clean at this point. She's like very clearly trying to make amends and do the right, right thing. And if if I if I were paying all that restitution and I didn't have to, like I would out you. Yes. Sing like a canary. Yeah, because if he came around and had some of the money, he could pay a bunch of it back, right? Yeah. But, you know, she she says that she doesn't know where he is. And her best guess is that he's dead now. And, you know, given the time frame and his lifestyle. Yeah, he's probably not doing great. Yeah. Because what, he was 48 when this whole thing started? Yeah. In 93. In 93. So it's almost 20 years later, so we'd be 68. It's almost that. 30 almost years. 30 years. <laughs> it's almost 30 years later. Oh my God, it's been 30 fucking years. We seven, yeah. yeah. He's probably not doing so good. Oh my yeah. God, it's been 30 years. Stop it. Stop <laughs> thinking about it. Yeah, so he's in his like mid-late 70s. Yeah. I think that if she knew where he was, she would say. I agree. But she claims that when she broke off from him in Amsterdam, there was no further, no further contact. And it's likely that he probably was just like, oh, there's a risk here now. So he probably left Amsterdam right away. Yeah, I can't imagine he's stuck around there. Yeah. Knowing she's peacing out. Yeah. Last little fun fact, a little, little award for Heather Tall Chief. And uh, or a record, perhaps I should say, in 1997, Heather held the uh, number three position on the FBI's 10 most wanted list, which made her the highest ranking female criminal um, in the entire history of the list. Hmm. Oh, well, good for you. Heather. Good for you, Heather. Yeah. Look at you reaching new heights, Heather. (laughs) (laughs) Phenomenal. Uh, 
So that is the story of Heather Tallchief and Roberto Solis. Oh, boy. Leaving Las Vegas with $3.1 million. Yeah, most people Damn. don't leave with that much money. Nope. <laughs> Not typically. <laughs> I don't have a good segue. No segue included. You can listen to Harpy Hour on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Wherever you listen, please rate us and leave us a glowing review. Do you know where Roberto Solis is? Tag us and the FBI (laughs) 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 on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Harpy Hour Pod or email us at harpyhourpodcast at gmail.com. Do you have $3.1 million smuggled away somewhere that you embezzled? Give some of it to us. Don't tell us where it's from. We don't want to no, know. We don't but need give to some know. of us to us to help keep us on the air, and we can continue creating extra content for you. So find us on Patreon and give us money. Okay, so thanks. thanks for listening. Okay, okay bye. 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 bye.